You're listening to a Dryden Wire podcast presented by DrydenWire.com. Today we are being joined by our very special guest, newly appointed Washburn County District Attorney, Mr. Aaron Marco. My name is Ben Dryden. I'm the owner and publisher of DrydenWire.com, and I'm also being joined by my father, recently retired, former Washburn County Sheriff for 28 years. So let's begin. Uh, Aaron, thank you so very much for stopping in and having a chat with us. Thank you for having me. So first, congratulations. Appreciate that. You have uh, not only the new gig, but a new baby. Yes, we have a six-month-old at home, Elliot Snyder Marco. Uh, He is our sixth child, fifth boy. Wow. Oh, my. (laughs) Attaboy. All right. (laughs) Well, we were taking up a donation for him. (laughs) (laughs) Five boys. Uh, So for people who don't know you that well, Mm -hmm. uh, what is a little bit of your history? Where did you start? Um, Where did you grow up? I grew up mainly in Rice Lake, Wisconsin. Um, Originally was born around the River Falls area. That's where my family, the family farm kind of was. My mom moved to Rice Lake when I was just a couple years old and spent basically the rest of my life there. It bounced around a little bit, Hagen area. Our family home actually ended up over on uh, Highway M. Okay. By the Real Amin Mayor Warden Resort, right in there by Highway D Mm -hmm. and Highway M. That's kind of where I spent my formative years growing up. And uh, that'd be on Long Lake, folks, yep. the ones that don't know it. Yeah, I didn't know that actually. <laughs> it's on Long Lake. Oh, yeah. So, Long Lake area in Washburn County, but still in the Rice Lake School District. So, that's why I went to the Rice Lake Schools and mm-hmm. uh, graduated Rice Lake High School, went to UW Barron County, was involved in a lot of stuff there, student government, editor of the newspaper. Um, really? Yeah. So if this, this district attorney job doesn't work out, yeah. uh, I'll be giving you a call. <laughs> I didn't say I was good. I just said I did it. I got an application right here somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, and sociology club, all of that stuff. And then went to, I chased a woman down to Milwaukee. <laughs> did you catch her? I did. She's the mother of my six children right. and my wife. So um, uh. went down there, stayed involved. I was still involved in student government and then... Uh, moved back to Rice Lake after graduation for about a year, then moved back to Milwaukee again to finish everything out with her while she was finishing stuff there. And then okay. we moved out to Wyoming. In Wyoming, oh. I went to law school and uh, we had our first two children there, moved back and had the next four. I, I don't know anyone that's actually lived in Wyoming. No. Well, no, I don't think I have. No. Oh. I don't even know I mean, anything about Wyoming. So what was that like? Why did you pick Wyoming, by the way? Well, I actually picked Utah. But my wife said uh, a thousand miles is far enough for my family. That's where we're stopping. Um, so what happened is when I when I ran moved, out of gas about the time here, Wyoming. Wyoming it is. Yep. <laughs> so I had, uh, when I moved back to Rice Lake after I had graduated, she was a year behind me in college. Uh, I took a job managing a dray line a moving company okay so the first job i had was to take a load out to salt lake city so that night i drove and drove and drove and ended up in the middle of the night got a hotel room in laramie wyoming woke up the next morning i mean it was pitch dark i didn't see anything i was exhausted um woke up the next morning opened the curtains seeing the snow-capped mountains surrounding me because laramie is kind of in a bowl and uh it was just absolutely gorgeous. I just absolutely mm. loved it. So a year later, after my wife had graduated, we went looking at law schools, and I knew that I wanted, um, I wanted to be out west, and I was thinking Utah. 
I took her to that exact same hotel, got the exact same <laughs> hotel room, and the very next morning opened the windows and said, honey, tell me we're not home. Oh, and wow. she looked at me and said, I guess we're home. <laughs> so she didn't wasn't as enthusiastic as I was about it, but I absolutely just love being in the mountains. It's oh, just it's something in my soul that there's a connection there. Mm. Um, so that's how I ended up in Wyoming. Loved Wyoming. There's only 500,000 people that live in Wyoming. It's a very sparse sparsely populated place but it's gorgeous it's got a little bit of everything it's got the high desert it's got the mountains it's got the prairie it's all right there. okay and back up a little bit uh your wife was in college did mm-hmm. she what did she major in and does she work outside the home or did she just stay home and take care of the kids no she is a successful professional um she is a she was in school to be a nurse it's what oh. she's always wanted to do so she went and got her rn and uh just Actually, the same month we had our, our baby Elliot, she graduated her doctorate degree from um, Frontier University in mm-hmm. a nurse practitioner. So she's an emergency room nurse practitioner at the Marshfield Center in Rice Lake. Wow, you good for her. guys are a busy family then. We are. Yeah. <laughs> in the last 10 years, we've moved across country twice, had six children, and gotten two doctorate degrees. Well, she got a master's oh, too. Yeah. So she travels a bit to go to work then, a little bit. Well, a little bit. Nah, not bad. Mm-hmm. Sure. So then how did you end up, well, after that, after Wyoming, how did you end up back in Wisconsin? Well, there's a theory that I heard that was happy wife, happy life. <laughs> kind of like how we stopped that's, in Wyoming. Hey, that's reality. That's not theory. <laughs> My wife said, I, it's time to get closer to family. We've sure. got two children now. It's time. We want grandparents involved in their life. So mm-hmm. we moved back. I, I took a job at the public defender's office in 2010 in Ashland, covering Bayfield, Ashland, and Iron Counties. And we were there for about five years. And then I took a job, the ADA spot in Sawyer. So we've slowly but surely been kind of moving our way back to my roots. She's from Sheboygan, so she's down from around that area. Okay. So that kind of leads us to where you, this last few weeks. So obviously you had a a baby. Mm -hmm. Then there was a new position that was passed in legislators for new uh, full-time district attorney in Washburn and several others, I think Burnett and uh, uh, several counties received more um, ADA positions. So there was a full-time position that was open. Yep. So you went from the ADA from Sawyer County to the, uh, full-time ADA position (laughs) in Washburn County. That's correct. And then a few days later, the current district attorney, (laughs) or I'm sorry, at the time district attorney, uh, Angeline Winton was then appointed to judge from the governor. So at least we still had a, you know, full-time attorney in the district attorney's office. And then you had to go through the process of being appointed. Correct. So, and that I think was just what, was it a week ago today, wasn't it? Was it last Friday? Yeah, last Friday it was announced. Yeah, so a week ago, then you were now appointed to the district attorney. And now there's once again a full time ADA position open. Correct. I'm assuming. So, walk us through what was that like, that whole experience going from the, you know, the ADA in, in Sawyer to ADA in Washburn to district attorney in Washburn in a matter of a few weeks. Well, it was it was hectic, but at the same time, the job is pretty much the same. I mean, it's the same cases that we're we're neighbors, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, none of that was really different. It was more getting to know everybody, right? It's coming into a new office, not knowing whether or not you're actually going to be appointed the district attorney. So you mm-hmm. don't want to come in and change everything because you don't want to do that to the people that work there, right? right. You don't want to come and change everything. Then somebody else gets the job and then they change everything. Sure. So it was kind of just coming in, getting the lay of the land, trying to get comfortable with the way it is. 
And um, now that I have the appointment, now I'm going to try and start to put some of my touches on things. Sure. Uh, so is there a, if you filed or I don't know how that really works for the uh, full-time ADA position? Yep. I sent notice down to the state to start advertising sure. for it. So yeah. if there's any qualified applicants out yeah. there, you know, you got my email address. <laughs> we got applications email. for that too, somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So if, we're if, currently accepting applications for the ADA spot. Okay. If anyone has the last name of Polo. You absolutely need to hire that person because we can do a podcast, uh, Marco Polo. Marco Polo. Yeah, there we go. Yep, we'll even host the podcast for you. <laughs> It'd be a brilliant name for one. So right. basically, that position though is hired by the state. Uh, that uh, so will they do the interview or do you do you take care of that? Yep, I do all the interviewing oh, and I, okay. I select the person okay. that I want to be. But they are a state employee, right. so then we go okay. through that whole I process. Okay, and which, then, can, which can be. Uh, burden, uh, burden, yes. <laughs> and, and you're going to have an election coming up soon. Or, I mean, already. Yeah, next year will be the election. I only fill the remainder of former district attorney, current Judge Witten's term, uh, which is in the presidential cycle. So 2020, fall of 2020 is the election. Can you say right now um, if you are going to be uh, seeking Absolutely. Election? Absolutely, oh. I'll be running for district attorney. Okay. All right. So let's actually get into some of the kind of your philosophy. So what are you kind of known for in 80, uh, when you were the ADA in Sawyer and now the district attorney in Washburn County? Um, if someone, if we ask some of your colleagues, some of your peers about you, what would they say? Well, I'd like to think that they'd say that I'm hardworking and dedicated to the job and dedicated to the community. Um, my, my concept of community might be a little bit bigger than everybody else's. Um, I don't think of the community as just the neighborhood I live in or the town that I live in. You know what I mean? Northern Wisconsin, I, I've noticed the difference between Madison and Milwaukee, living in Milwaukee, dealing with Madison, and being north of Highway 8, we're all a community up here. Mm. We're all in this fight this together, is, and oftentimes true. we're the only ones fighting the fight, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I care about Hayward. I care about Shell Lake, Spooner. I care about Rice Lake. I care about our communities. And the reality is right now our biggest, one of our biggest obstacles or threats is the methamphetamine and the heroin epidemic. So mm -hmm. I really spent a lot of time focusing on that. We developed a great team in Sawyer County and we started to have some really good effects on that. The problem was is we primarily had a methamphetamine problem in the northern part of the state. The southern part of the state had a heroin problem. Now we each have both, mm -hmm. right? Every yeah. little piece we took out of the methamphetamine problem got filled in with heroin. Mm. And unfortunately now we're seeing a lot more overdose deaths because fentanyl being cut into yeah. the stuff and people not being familiar with the drug. Um, and we're losing, we're losing our youth to this stuff. And so heroin's that, cheaper. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, because yeah. of all the pills and the yeah. prescription of oxys yeah. and all, all that, that other stuff. Yeah. So, um, that's, I think that's what people would say is I'm dedicated to that fight. Mm -hmm. I'm also dedicated to justice and victim restoration, and I'm, I'm not afraid to fight the fight. Uh, going back to the, the meth and heroin, from a district attorney standpoint, what can you do to uh, combat that? Well, that sort of leads us into the kind of the diversion type of thing, okay. right? Chapter 961 is quite clear. It says right in the, I guess you'd call it kind of the preamble, the very first couple of paragraphs, says... In layman's terms, drug users and addicts go to probation, drug dealers go to prison. That's essentially what it says. So as far as drug dealers go, we can help protect the community by removing them from society, putting them in a box, and then we're all safe from them while, while that's they're sitting their time. Problem is, is every time you get word of one of them, two more show up. 
Mm. Right. So that's not really all that effective in and of itself. The way that a district attorney can do it is if they think creatively is the supply side is always going to be there. We got to get rid of the demand. In order to get rid of the demand, you have to figure out why there is a demand. Each person is a little bit different. So why are you using drugs? Why are you doing that? Is it because you grew up in a home that that was what you knew and that's how you think life is lived is you do drugs? Is it because you had a traumatic event and you're medicating with it or you have a mental disease or something like that that you're medicating with it? I seen a show or a study just a couple of weeks ago that said with children with ADD and people with ADD, they did a study where they gave them methamphetamine and then they give them Adderall and there was no difference between the two drugs. Chemically, Adderall is almost indistinguishable from methamphetamine. No kidding. So methamphetamine. I didn't know that. And that's, yeah. a, I've heard it over and over and over again. Kids with ADD, they become adults. They don't have insurance. They can't get the medication anymore. Well, I'll start using methamphetamine because it gives me the same effect. It calms me down. It allows me to focus and stuff like that because, you know, they're kind of wired backwards a little bit. Uh, that's that's pretty intuitive. I've never heard of that before. That's very good. That's an interesting concept. So in dealing yeah. with that, you have to figure out how are we going to stop that, right? Mm -hmm. If they're growing up in a, a household like that, it's much more difficult to break that cycle. But let's look at the entire family. A lot of times you'll have someone who gets caught with meth in the home. Their children are taken away. They go to jail. All this other stuff happens. Well, let's look at that entire family, right? Because they grew up seeing this. So they're that way. Now their children are growing up seeing it. They're going to be that way. So we got to break that cycle, right? So let's deal with the family. Let's work with the children. Let's work with them. Let's get everything kind of put back together, get them counseling, figure out what it was. Maybe they were one of those people who had ADD as a child <laughs> and started using meth to self-medicate. Well, how do we do that? Well, if they need Adderall instead of meth, let's work on getting them health insurance. Sure. Let's work on getting them what they need. Throwing them in jail, is that going to fix it? When they come out, they're still not going to have health insurance. They're still going to have ADD. They're still going to have all of this other stuff. So let's work it so that the actual problem gets fixed instead of just dealing with the symptoms. So are these uh, diversion programs, I'm assuming, this is kind of what we're touching on, mm -hmm. um, has that proven to be effective? So nationally, drug court, it's my understanding, is right about 50%, between 49 and 51%. Now, that may not sound very good. But when you realize that our traditional method is rate of success is about six to 10%, that looks a lot better. <laughs> well, yeah, right? sure. That looks a lot better. So it's not necessarily the answer for everything and for everybody, but it's a heck of a lot better than what we're doing now, which is we have three main tools in the toolbox. We got jail, we got fines, and we got probation. Well, DOC, even though they got like a $1.2 billion budget in this state, is still understaffed and overworked and don't have the resources. We don't have qualified professionals in northern Wisconsin that we can contract with to do mental health groups that can do batterers re-education that can do this stuff. So DOC is still struggling to find people to provide those services. We do have some in the local area, which is really good, and they're very involved, and they're more than happy to come to the table and try and work on creating a new drug court or, or revamping what we have, or let's what more services can we provide individuals. Um, so that's great. We got a lot of community resources and community partners that we can work so with. does everyone uh, kind of qualify for this diversion how, how is it kind of looked at and decided who would qualify for a diversion so this is this is where it gets a little scientific and a little weird <laughs> all right i like it already <laughs> well cool <laughs> so so the main word is counterintuitive right like we have 
we all there's a lot of smart people that are involved in this entire system and we all tend to value our own judgment so we think that what we think is right makes sense well then when we find out that yeah it looks that way and common sense would sort of think that it is that way but it's really not and an example is is you would think when somebody comes in low risk well, all right, we're going to work on that person. We're going to make that low-risk person a no-risk person. And we're going to give them our resources, and then we have our win, we have our success. Sure, that makes sense. Well, studies have shown that low-risk individuals, a vast majority of them are self-correcting. If you just get out of their way, they're going to fix themselves. They probably just made a stupid choice, okay. and they deserve their second chance and their break. And if you give it to them, you're never going to see them again. Hmm. It's the high-risk individuals, the ones that are in and out of jail, the ones that you're sick of dealing with as a sheriff or arresting <laughs> or dealing with them, right? Yeah. Or you're sick of seeing them. I can name them for you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. We all know who they are, yeah. Yeah. and we all are sick of dealing with them. That's all true. But what the studies have showed is if we put our resources into them and we get them to break the cycle, then their children don't become criminals. Their children's children don't become criminals. Sure. And the reason I say that is because I have been in court where I've had grandpa father and son all in court on the same day uh, for three the generations different, as defendants different cases or all for, one. no for different completely different unrelated Good cases night. because the criminal thinking the criminality the antisocial personality all of those things sure. what wasn't inherited was taught mm. right so they're just following the line and that's the stuff that we got to break and those are the high-risk individuals now in order to identify them we need validated risk assessment tools risk and need assessment tools there's many of them out there and then what that can do is if you have someone like criminal justice coordinator or case manager, they can go find them individuals, usually in jail, give a little bit of an assessment, mm -hmm. figure out what they are. And then we know as a system, what do we do? If they come out as low risk and we follow the system, honestly, we get out of their way. Dismiss the case, sure. let it go, don't sure. file it, whatever. And if we don't see them again, it's a win. Yeah. It's the ones we see over and over that we know are high risk, the ones that we probably already sent to prison a couple of times. Those are the ones where we need to slow down and we need to say, all right, let's get them team, the community partners together. Let's get AODA. Let's get mental health. Mm -hmm. Let's get the family providers in here so we can start looking at this. Let's look at their mental health needs, their substance abuse needs. Let's start treating that so we can break that cycle mm -hmm. and hopefully... Um, you know, not have their children following in the same. What uh, if you could put? Uh, maybe there isn't a specific number, but a ballpark of um, what percentage would be considered or classified as that low risk, or the ones that you would say just get out of their way. It's. I, I honestly can't quantify that. I can't give you a number that says science says that it's thirty three percent or those yeah. individuals. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a lot of times. It's just your first time offenders. Everyone, you kind of just. You just not spend any time and resources on them. You kind sure. of try and get them out unless there's a red flag. You know, you can have a red flag. And I suppose I should say not all of these risk assessment tools are perfect for everything. Right. Um, you've got Compass, which is uh, yep. basically a suite that the Department of Corrections right. bought from North Point. Does a good job on a lot of things, but doesn't do very well for domestic violence or sexual crimes. So you have to have a second layer of assessments oh, yeah. in order to address those issues, because a lot of let's say child sex offenders, they don't have drastic criminal histories. They've never been on the radar, right? So mm -hmm. they come up, they look like they're great across the board, low risk, but they're really not. Mm. Now, once you start doing a second layer of static 99 or something like that, then you realize, oh, they are high yeah. risk and they're high risk, but it's only the one thing offending on children. So identifying it really is the key. Yes. Well, then that would, so what you're saying is basically you want, you and the courts want to know about a person before they start showing up 
is they say they get arrested and they're in jail and they're on bail and they can't meet bail. So criminal justice folks would come over and interview them, do their compass and whatever. That gives you knowledge then of how to deal with that individual in the court proceedings. Exactly. So that's going to increase some time for our criminal justice folks, I'm assuming, because mm-hmm. that would be a project. Yes. I mean, it's, that's work. It is. Uh, but it sounds like it's good work. It is, and it's effective in that's even changing, more important. Yep, yeah. and changing <laughs> behavior and cost-effective. You got to think. Let's say we have that individual. Well, a few people in jail, right? Right. That's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. But at the cost of at the state level, forty thousand dollars per person a year. You know. Um, no, I, you're saying forty thousand per year if you in are prison. in jail or, or in prison. 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 Yeah. Yep. So that's kind of like the the you know the average mm-hmm. the, what number you put on it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. I didn't know that actually. Yep. Yep. It, it is a lot. And when you start to think that we have thirty thousand people in prison in the state of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. that math there's a lot of zeros there. Yeah. I think it's one point two billion. That's a lot of folks. So now, uh, uh, this is what you've been doing, we're doing in Sawyer County, this yep. kind of approach. Um, now that you're here in Washburn, or maybe I should go back to 80, is, was that received well by the community in Sawyer County, that approach? It, it has been, and it continues to be. Uh, when I arrived in Sawyer County, this, this type of thing was my goal. They had a system that was sort of starting to fail. The partners were getting frustrated with each other they weren't wanting to come to the table anymore things like that so in all honesty that whole system kind of fizzled out right after i got there i spent a couple of years working with each individual partner taking them out to lunch you know the supervisor for doc the sheriff the da the judge whoever like hey you got a free minute let's go and let's talk about this planting the seeds getting everyone back to the table And in the last year, year and a half, we've had some great success. When I left, I was the criminal justice coordinating committee chair. Mm. Um, We had formed the committee. We had hired a criminal justice coordinator. We now have diversion programs. We have a marijuana awareness program. Um, We have OAR diversion program in Sawyer County. And there was just a better understanding of the way things were in general because we're able to get everyone back to the chair or Mm. back to the table. Mm. So, and the community was very well received of it. What I learned in Sawyer County is there's a lot of people working in silos. There's a lot of people who are trying to do the same thing everyone else is trying to do, and they don't realize the other person's trying to do it. So, hey, let's put our resources together. Do we really need five people trying to do this one thing? Sure. Or if we all got together, could we really try and attack five things at the same time? I see. You're coming into a county that already has a criminal justice coordination committee, and I don't know if you know much about it. Have you ever chance to? You probably haven't had a chance to meet yet with them, and so there's there's an interesting to see how this is going to play out because they're pretty active. They have a lot of diversion programs, IDIP, all the, yep, you know, all that good stuff. And then there's a good and it saved thousands and thousands, of hundreds of thousands of dollars of bed space. And more importantly, we did what you were saying, or they did what you were saying, not have a repeat offender. Mm-hmm. Because that is what you're really looking for. Exactly. So I'll be interested to see in a, in a year or so and have a chat with you to see how you fit in with the Criminal Justice Coordination Council and how that meshes together. Yep. And I'm excited about it, too, because like you said, they already have that here. Yep. So um, I'm sort of three, four years ahead of the game of what I was doing before. You know what I mean? And yeah. I've met with Stephanie and I've met with Good. 
uh, everybody that's involved in that. And I have been able to attend a drug court team oh, meeting. And stuff you did like already. Not, okay. Not CJCC, but the drug court meeting. Okay. And we're doing a lot of great stuff here. Mm. We're doing a lot of great stuff. And they're pretty active. They are. And they're, they're doing some amazing stuff. I've got a couple of different ideas, some other stuff I would like to try and bring to the table because I have my own different set of skills and mm-hmm. stuff like that and a different philosophy or my philosophy. I don't know if it's different necessarily, but <laughs> Um, and then, like you said, get all that mesh back together and then see what we can do. And I, I hope I can be an asset. To that. I'm excited about that. That's a, that's interesting. Well, yeah. and for the first time in a very long time, we have in Washington County a new sheriff. Obviously, Dad, with you retiring. We have a new sheriff, first time in 28 years. We have now with yourself a new district attorney. New judge. And now a new judge. And that's kind of that three-headed uh, monster is probably the wrong word. But, you know, the <laughs> that, that makes up the bulk. I mean, that's like the, mm-hmm. the, the a big part of the uh, system and how this all works and to being all on the same page. Um, is that something that what you did in Sawyer and if so, that you would be doing in Washburn where, yeah, it's vitally important that we're all on the same page. The reality is you can work around one person pretty easily. Like if you got one that just, nah, I'm not buying any of this stuff, we can work <laughs> around that individual. But it's so much better if everybody is on the same page because then you have a united front and it's you guys going out and then the more people see that the more people rally behind you you know what i mean yeah um instead of fight against you some people just fight you just to fight you you know that it's just it's the authority it's like you said it's the big three it's the head of the dragon it's whatever it's like no we're going against that just just because because but seeing that um sheriff stewart I'm very optimistic about that relationship. Things are going great. Judge Winton, I'm very optimistic about that. We have meetings scheduled to figure out this stuff and where it's going and how we can revamp that process has already been started. Good. Good. Um, And I really think that it's an amazing opportunity because having everybody new, if we get on the same page, there isn't that one person that's always saying, well, this isn't how we've done it for the last 20 years. Well, what we found out through science is how we've been doing it for the last hundred years isn't working. Yeah. Yeah. We need to try new things. And it's nobody's fault. It's just, it, it, it just doesn't it work, you know? Yeah. Um, and the reason is, is because we were using our professional judgment and our intuition, right? That's when I said counterintuitive. That's what we were using. Now we're looking at just using the science and adhering to the science and the statistics. If statistics say this is working, then let's just keep doing it. Problem is it doesn't always feel right. You know, you have that guy that you just I yeah. arrested this guy 13 <laughs> times. Yeah. I know he's committed 25 felonies. And now yeah. you're telling them that I got to go hug a thug. Yeah. Yeah, that's what some people <laughs> call it. You know, it's like <laughs> hug a thug. It's like, no, that's not what we're talking about. And I will tell you that individual will tell you I'll do six months standing on my head like it's nothing. Yeah. But you take that person and start unpeeling the layers of that onion and now they have to deal with their alcoholism or the drug addiction and then they realize that's because they were offended on when they were a kid and then they have Mm. to deal with that trauma. That's a heck of a lot harder dealing with your personal demons Mm. than it is to go sit in a box for a little while. And that is a heck of a lot harder. And I think that's why it's actually effective because you're getting to the root of the problem. They need that support system too Mm -hmm. to do that too. And, and that's honestly part of the problem as well is I've noticed that you take these individuals out of their environment, you put them in a confined setting, you offer treatment and all this stuff to them, and they're really enjoying it. They're enjoying sober sobriety. They're enjoying life. They're enjoying successes and having people compliment them. And then you put them back in that environment. And now all of a sudden, they're the one that sticks out. Well, 
what happens to the one kid that always sticks out, right? They get ostracized. Well, what, now you're too good. You can't come yeah. and hang out at the family reunion and get drunk with us anymore. Mm. You're too good for us, so you can't do that. And then they get sucked back, back in. in. Sometimes the people that are closest to us end up being our own worst mm. enemies. So that's why it's important to deal with the whole family sure. if you can, because then you can get less and less and less of that effect. And, um, okay, this is going to be the absolute wrong word, sell, but how do you sell the community on this? on this approach because are you anticipating or at least i would anticipate maybe some we'll just say feedback mm -hmm. uh <laughs> others would probably call it blowback but uh, on me this isn't good you know that this idea of lock them up man throw them away unless it's pot because then everybody you know <laughs> nobody <laughs> likes anything with pot <laughs> um but how do you kind of i wouldn't say convince but how do you get that message out to the community that this is as you said, counterintuitive. It's it's this is the actual way to do it. We have to think differently. How do you get that message out? Well, it you have to find out what they're concerned about, and then you have to address that. If they're if they're concerned about the financial aspect of it, you're like you're telling me that we, I got to give this guy AODA counseling, mental health counseling. <laughs> I got to help him find a job. I got to help him find a place to live. I got to do all this stuff. Now that's all being done on the taxpayer dollar. Well, you throw him in prison. You're feeding them. You're housing them. You're giving them their medical. Sure. You're giving them everything anyways to the tune of $40,000 a year. So when you say, oh, we're going to spend $25,000 on this guy or this family, and you're like, that's a lot of freaking money. Mm -hmm. Well, we were spending 40. Mm -hmm. So to me, if my math is right, we just saved 15. Yeah. yeah. We'll save money this way. It's been proven mm -hmm. over and over. Like you said, how many thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars in jail bed days yeah. and all that other stuff have been saved. If there's other people who are just say, well, you're not going to change anything. You're not going to do anything with these individuals. They are the way they are and they can't, they right. can't just or get them change, out of here. Right. Right. Well, people do change. We know that it's hard. I'm definitely not the same person I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. They do change some for the worse, some for the better. Um, but that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to affect change. And if we change that, we break those cycles. Like I said, mm -hmm. when you have son who watched dad and now you have grand or grandson who's watching dad right mm -hmm. they do the same things we mimic behavior well we break that cycle they don't see that they don't do that so aside from the the, the money aspect let's assume for a moment it would be the exact same right diversion program or jail just for hypothetical it's the exact same amount of money is there any other benefit from doing this I think there's a great benefit from a lot of other things. One, the community can see the reformation and the rehabilitation of that individual if they're here. See the change. Yep. And they can provide back to our community here. They can be working at Subway, McDonald's, Quick Trip, Bosch, wh wherever, right? Uh, Jack Links. They, they can work. They can be here. They can provide. They can give back to society. When we take them out and put them in there, all they're doing is costing us money. They're not giving anything back. They're not paying taxes. They're not providing any services to the community. When they're here and when they're doing that, they can do that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying every single person deserves diversion or that it's appropriate for everyone. There are extremely high-risk individuals who simply society needs to be protected from. Mm -hmm. Rapists, murderers, child sex assaulters, mm -hmm. um, major, major level drug dealers. Yeah, yeah. We need to get, they need to go away. They're extreme danger to society and the value is still there for incarceration on them individuals. We just, in this country from 1980s on, we just got in this heavy incarceration mode and we really started knocking down on a lot of stuff and we figured that that was going to be it. We hit them hard with a stick and they're going to learn. Didn't work that way. Dad tried that on me when I was a kid. It did not work. <laughs> it didn't work either, did uh, it? No. 
Maybe want to do things more, actually. My mom told me when she broke, I think it was the third wooden spoon over my rear end, and I looked back and started laughing when I was four. This doesn't work anymore. Problem is, then I graduated yeah. to dish soap in the mouth, and that didn't work <laughs> well either. But what about um, now? You're coming into you got you just mentioned it. You basically, in a sense, you have a whole new court system in Washburn County. Mm-hmm. How do you think your role in that? How are you? How is your role going to improve if there's improvement needed in the court system? How are you going to do that? I think the biggest thing is going to be a willingness and a desire to get everyone to the table. I. I being in silos, being isolated, being at each other's throats doesn't help anybody, right? You see mommy and daddy fighting, it affects the kids. Mm. If the sheriff and the judge or the sheriff and the DA or the DA and the judge are fighting, everyone's going to see that and they're going to start to turn it to their advantage. Mm. We need that united front. Also, I'm, I'm, I understand that I make mistakes and I don't know everything. My wife may disagree with that, mm. but not that I actually do, just that I think that way. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a text number. Let's say well, that's really true. <laughs> you know, so I'm open to new ideas. I'm open to different ways of doing things. And because I've realized along the way that I've been wrong, I'm willing to try things that I might not be necessarily comfortable mm. with just to see whether or not I am wrong. Mm. People will hammer you and the judge for you know it's a big deal here in this county in any county i see these bail hearings you know about they got out on a signature bond and they abused somebody or they assaulted some kid you know and we know there's certain statutory guidelines you have to follow for recommendations for bail and you're going to take some hits for that i mean they all do the judges the da's do they do it in every county does that bother you I just wish there was a little bit better understanding of the system. We're like, like you, you said, go. there's guidelines, there's different yeah. things we have to follow. People think it's just, it's just that simple, right? Yeah, Why are you letting this guy simple. out on bail? Yeah. Well, because if we didn't let anybody out on bail and we tried every single case, one, we wouldn't have one judge. We'd have 20. <laughs> we'd have 30 D. I mean, could you imagine what yeah. it'd actually take? And if a 400 we took the bed 400, jail. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we have 400 cases yeah. a year. Yeah. That's 400 trials. I mean, just think about what a trial costs. You have 60 jurors that you have to bring in at 40 bucks a pop. There's 2,500, mm-hmm. 2,400, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have a judge that's making $140,000 a year. You have a DA who's probably making 100. Yeah. You have a court reporter who is making who knows however much, depending on where they're in their career. You have a clerk. You clerk. have to keep the lights on, the air conditioning or the heater going. You're talking four or five grand for a one, two-day trial. Well, if we had 400 of those mm. in Washburn County, I mean, now let's look at the cost of the taxpayer. Well, nobody wants to look at those numbers either. And it's easy to say, you shouldn't have let this guy out. You shouldn't have done that. But that's with hindsight, right? Mm. The statute, time, experience has all told us the only reason we impose money on people is to make sure they come back to court. In America, you're innocent until you're proven guilty. That's the bottom line. And they have that presumption of innocence Correct. at their bail hearing. And we may think we have the greatest, strongest case in the world, and the judge can take the strength of the case into account when he's determining that and the danger to the community, the severity of the alleged offense, past criminal conduct, failures to appear in the past, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is, is you get a guy who gets caught with marijuana or cocaine or methamphetamine. They have a full-time job. They have a wife. They have two kids. We take him off the street. Okay, yeah, you got a drug addict off the street. That might be fine. But now you have a mother. Let's say she's a stay-at-home mom. Now you have a mother at home with two or three or however many kids that have no income source. They don't have any ability to pay the rent, 
the electricity, mm. for food. Mm. Now where's all that money going to come from? You know, so there's a lot of things you have to take into account. Human services. That. Yes. <laughs> yep. I, and and, those, and every single department of human services has an overrun budget yeah. because of these very same issues. Uh, I think, was it, um, I think Minnesota may have done or have been involved with this a while back regarding diversion things. Mm -hmm. um, what do you know about that and specifically how that would compare to Wisconsin? Like, do you know between Minnesota and Wisconsin, how does that look since we kind of didn't and they did, I think, a while ago? Yep. It's my understanding that about 30 years ago, Minnesota started to adopt this more. It's called evidence-based decision-making. Okay. Right. So they decided to start following this about 30 years ago. We really got on this bandwagon about 10, maybe 15 years ago at the beginning levels, but really starting to teach state employees to adhere to this process started about 10 years ago. Um, the difference is, is I think we have about 10,000 more people on uh, in prison than they do. They have twice as many people or close to that on probation as we do. So they've been putting people, keeping them in the community, offering them services. They're relative to each individual. Their cost per individual is less. Um, they're able to keep them in the community longer. And, and the important thing is, is when you look at Minnesota and Wisconsin, we're virtually identical. We have similar populations. Mm -hmm. Now, they may be the land of 10,000 lakes. We're 15,000. We just don't <laughs> brag about it. You know, Governor Thompson, the governor, governor Thompson used to always say, and we have fish in ours. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we don't count the mud yeah, puddles. Yeah. But, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. So we have, you know, right, a lot of Norwegian, a lot of German, a lot of Finnish. You know, sure. we're, we're yeah. all really close as far as all that stuff goes. We're all farmers. One just depends on how yeah. far back you go to who was bailing <laughs> hay. But very similar populations. They took a different approach. We have way more people in prison than they do. They have more people on probation than we do. And we have similar crime rates. So putting people in prison in and of itself didn't change the crime. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was It's the danger to the community that's being accurately assessed. And I think that's where we started to miss the boat in the late 70s and 80s. We started to think all of these things were going to be the demise of our society. Mm -hmm. They're not. Drug addiction has been present since virtually the beginning of time, right? It's always been there. It's always something we're going to have to deal with. We're an intellectual, a creative creature. And when you can alter the state of somebody's mind, there's going to be someone in that spectrum that that's intriguing to. Mm. It's just going to exist. It's mm -hmm. a matter of supply and demand and what's dangerous and what's not dangerous. Mm. Uh, obviously, I think methamphetamine is extremely dangerous. I think heroin is extremely dangerous. Mm. Um, and those things we try and attack, the mm. things that aren't necessarily dangerous. You know, you look at 1936 and reefer madness. Everyone was yeah. one person smoked a little bit of pot and he killed his whole family. Yeah. No. You yeah. know, I, I seen something the other day. Um Oh, shoot. What was it? It was some over the prescription drug kills 40,000 or 80,000 oh. people a year. Cigarettes kill 480,000 people a year. Mm. Marijuana is attributed to zero deaths a year. Mm. Well, now, if we're looking at danger <laughs> and we look at that aspect of it, smoking cigarettes is a pretty bad deal. Yeah. You know, and I've only quit smoking a couple years ago <laughs> myself. So, you know, I understand that yeah. that's not well received yeah. at the yeah. time. <laughs> um, but. Mm. It, it's it's a uh, it's relative in its perspective, and you have to kind sure. of put it in its place. So, how do you, when it comes to that um, the judge, or whether it's the sheriff, uh, law enforcement, obviously with chiefs as well, um, what does that role look like in terms of being a part of a pr the process, kind of from the beginning, or is it more? No, I kind of wait till everything is done, and then I jump in. Where do you kind of fall in that? Well, 
I think success that we've had in Sawyer County and battling this drug deal was being part of a team. We all got together and we worked as a team, drug enforcement, street cops, uh, the deputies, everyone, we'd get together, we'd work together. DCI as well? Yep. Oh, okay. absolutely. Absolutely DCI. DCI is a, it's actually a pretty crucial part of it. So we would get everyone together and I was involved in the investigation from the very beginning. It wasn't always just bring me there. In the beginning, we were reactive. In the end, we were proactive. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, it happens. Oh, pull this guy over. We searched the car, found a pound of meth. Now we have this pound level thing. We OK, we're going to debrief them and then we're going to find everybody. And then, all right, he gave us three names. Now we went after them with search warrants and then we did all this stuff. Well, in the meantime, we only had 48 hours to get that first person right. in. Right. Right. So now we got to decide what we're going to do there. Then we develop develop the case, realize there's 13 people who are dealing meth and they're all working together. Well, that case is going to be really hard to prosecute one at a time. So we learned, all right, let's figure out where we're at, gather intel. We'll all work together. We start using some different creative tools for gathering intel. Um, and we'd all work together. The deputies, the local law enforcement, state law enforcement, all on the same team, mm. all working together. And then when we get the, when we pull the proverbial trigger on whatever it was we were working, everything was wrapped up. It was ready for the judge. Charges were ready. We weren't dragging things sure. out six months. So it was all right there. That's a great idea. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what, that's part of the experience I want to bring here, you know, working with um, Tyler and Bart and working mm -hmm. with Sean Sutherland at DCI sure, and, yeah. and those guys. Um, I've been working with them before and we have had some overlap, obviously, you know, because uh, working with Jay Smith and Jay Poplin and Brian Deo and those guys up there and Greg Thorhog before he retired. That's how we were able to get there. You know, it was all working together and all doing that stuff. When we have people who, you know, don't care or it's just, it's, I'm still an officer, but I still only work eight to four, right? Meth doesn't get sold from eight to four. <laughs> it gets sold from midnight to eight in the morning, you know, stuff like that. So, well, those and those conspiracy cases are time consuming and they're difficult. Absolutely. And, and then to get the person into bail hearing before the 48 hours runs up. I mean, you obviously have to do that in some cases, too, because you just can't hold them forever. Right. But that's that's the tricky part. Yep. And, and what we've learned is when we can do that and we can execute multiple search warrants, I yep. think the last one or two we did, we were executing five search warrants at a time. Yep. Right. Wow. So we got Washburn County. We yep. got Douglas County. We got Barron County, Sawyer County, DCI, mm. locals. We're all together and we're all working on it. And to execute all of that simultaneously, mm -hmm. a lot of these smaller mm -hmm. counties don't have those resources. Mm -hmm. We all have to have each other's backs. That's the bottom you know, line. We have to work together. Yeah, yeah. and that's interesting because now that you say that, I recall there's a lot of press releases that um, Sheriff Rotec sends out, <clears throat> especially in the last probably couple of years. I guess I didn't really think about that till now, where it shows multiple search warrants mm -hmm. that were executed and then listing all the agencies. <clears throat> and now in my mind's eye, I'm kind of seeing some of those thinking, man, that's right. There was a ton of people involved it was a whole process. It wasn't just, yep, went and arrested someone. Two exactly. days later, well, we just went and arrested someone. It was all under one. Mm -hmm. That's a brilliant way to do it. Yeah, yep. every county around here doesn't have all the people they need. And so you got to depend on the other folks, yep. too. And just working together makes a huge difference. Yep. And that's nice about Northwest Wisconsin. They work together. Yep. Exactly. And that's what I was saying. That's why my concept yeah. of community is all of us. Yeah. Because we all need to work yeah. together. It's <clears throat> isolated or in silos, but we're only hurting ourselves. Yeah, I know on, on for Dryden when we first started, um, it was you get the question a lot, are you Washburn County based? It's well not really I mean we're we're located in Spooner, yeah. but we're just one big, you know, community up here. Siren is what, twenty two minutes right. that way. 
Minong's up there, 25 minutes. Hayward's 25 minutes. Rice Lake's 25 minutes. And these are like three different counties right there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter. It's really just like the 60, 75 mile radius that it's just one big community. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we forget that part that we really do all work together. Exactly. So Howard, are you, as a district attorney, how do you measure success? How do you know it's going well? How do you look back at the at the end of the year and go, I know I was successful because of what? I did pretty good. <laughs> I did it's, pretty good, right? right? Yeah. But how do you know yeah. I did pretty good? Yeah. Or, wow, we did not get what we wanted to get done, and here's how I measured that. Uh, ultimately, I think for me, it's am I better today? Is the community better today? Whatever it is, is it better today than it was yesterday? If we made a mistake, did we learn from it? Um, Mm. I do not, I guess it's probably easier to answer the converse, but I do not measure my success by how much of the state's budget I spend, (laughs) right? Uh, For instance, I finished up a couple of major sex assault cases. We had what I term the priest case up in Sawyer County. I spread that, yeah. Yep, 31. 30 years in prison. right here, folks. <laughs> um, we had uh, another sex offender that Judge Yackel sent in for 60 years. Yes, oh, so I right? just saw that one too. Andre so, <laughs> so we got 90 years. Shameless plug there. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. 90 years at the tune of 40,000 40, a year, right? <laughs> I just, now granted, this is spread over 30, yeah. 60 years. So. It's not blown up, but that's a lot of the state's money yeah. that the system just spent in those two cases. I don't judge my success by the fact that I got all of those prisoners. That's not success. It's not success because I spent the money. The success is, is the community safer today than mm. it was yesterday? And those are the individuals that need to go. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. that's for sure. Yep. And, and because of that, the community is safer. Yeah. And that's how I judge it. And in all honesty, that's how I judge everything. Like, I, uh, I try and stay active in my kid's life with as many kids as I have. <laughs> I found that people go, how, how can you coach all those teams? Well, I, what I found is, is that's how I spend my time with my kids. It gives me two hours a day <laughs> oh, with each kid sure. to coach them. So I coach baseball, basketball, football. Wow. Um, you know, a lot of the, they're 9, 10, 11, that kind of age group. Yeah. Um, so in this last year, uh, I've coached, well, the football season just got over. So if we include that, three football teams, five baseball teams, <laughs> and two basketball teams. Now, it takes up a lot of my free time. But I get to spend it with my kids, and I get to spend it with the children in the community. I get to know them right away in their youth, and I get to see them develop. And, and I get you to see their, their parents, family. which yep. is really important. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it puts a lot of things in perspective when yep. it comes to my job. But – same thing I teach them. And I have I have uh, a little thing hung up in my Alex's room, who's my second boy, that says, you don't lose, you learn. Right? Mm, if you, okay. you may have scored sure. less points than somebody else in a game, but did you learn something? Sure. As long as you learned and you're a better player today than you were yesterday, mm. you didn't lose. No. Right? Like that's that's the concept that I try and get across to, to the kids. And, and that's how I judge my successes is are we better today than we mm. were yesterday? And I feel very confident that where I have worked, I have left it better than where I found it. And that's exactly what I want to do. Wow. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for coming in. Is there anything, uh, kind of a last message or something that you want to make sure that um, residents of Washburn County or Northwest Wisconsin knows about you? I guess what, if, I, if I were to speak to everyone kind of broadly, mm-hmm. it would just say, one, that I'm honored with this opportunity, and I thank Governor Evers for this opportunity. And 
and I look forward to working with Sheriff Stewart and Judge Winton, but more than anything to the people, I want them to know that I'm here to serve them. Um, I'm going to steal something from Chris Fitzgerald. I know that you have him coming up soon. He talks about being everybody's sheriff. I, when I ran in 2016 down in Barron and I got to spend more time with Chris and I, I heard him say it a couple of times, I never thought about it, but it started to resonate. And I thought that that's true, right? I can't not prosecute somebody because they're Republican or I can't over prosecute <laughs> someone because they're a Democrat or they're an independent. Some might right? disagree with that, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to. Yeah, okay. So, so the reality is though, is I serve everyone in this community. I serve every single Washburn County resident, regardless of where they come from or what they believe, and I am here to serve them. Mm. Service is the entire base of it, and that's what I'm here to do. And I want them to know that our office is always open. I'm always here to I'm always here to hear their concerns and take them into consideration. Doesn't mean I can give you everything that you want, <laughs> but I will listen to you and I will talk with you and I will let you know where things are at. I'm honest probably to a flaw. Uh, Lying, like when I was a defense attorney, I learned <laughs> you can't get through a lie because no. it doesn't exist. No. We can deal with bad facts. We can explain them. We can work with them. I can't deal with a lie because it doesn't exist. Oh, that's true. You know, so I, I, honesty is extremely important to me, and I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I'm here to serve this community, and I hope I can do my best. Well, I, we, I think uh, everyone has high hopes, and uh, I've heard nothing but great things about you. Yeah. Would you be interested in coming back on at some point and kind of let us know after you get your feet wet a little bit more um, to see how everything's going? Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to great things. We really do. I'm yeah. really excited about the changes in the, in Washburn County. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you've been listening to a Dread and Wire podcast. We'll be back next week when we'll be joined with uh, – Polk County Sheriff, I think. Brent Walk will be here next uh, week. Thanks for listening. Have a blessed day, and we'll talk to you later.